Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We are a nation of dairy lovers. Not only does it taste great, but the nutritional benefits are plentiful. So it's no wonder that it's been a staple for thousands of years. Now, Yo Valley is reverting back to those historical methods, giving us the creamiest yogurt yet. Their super thick canned yogurt uses heat and live cultures, which invites them to grow before being kerned until it becomes deliciously velvety. And that's what gives us that wonderful rich yogurt, which is perfect for breakfast and desserts. Lovingly made in Somerset, Yo Valley's super thick kerned natural yogurt is high in protein, low in sugar, and it's available in 5% and 0% fat. If you want to find out more, head on over to yovalley.co.uk and you can find it in your local supermarket. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rihanna Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'm so lucky to be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with the trusted expert advice. No matter what your reasons are for wanting to burn some body fat, focusing on getting there through healthy, manageable lifestyle measures is really important. And while it's not possible to lose fat on particular areas of your body, you can definitely work on lowering the overall body fat percentage. This week's Food for Thought sees nutritionist Faye Townsend and I explore the truth behind body fat and how you can finally lose it with the latest evidence-based advice. Hello, Faye. Hi, Rhi. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. It's actually very refreshing and lovely to have one of the nutrition nutritionists. Um, well, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> nutritionists on our podcast with us. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm looking forward to speaking to you about some interesting things today. I know. I think um, we'll start by discussing on this episode the fact that obviously this is one of the most commonly asked questions that we get in clinic. Um, in order to lose fat, would you say it's simply... It's just as simple as consuming fewer calories than you burn each day and exercising frequently. What what do you think on it? Yeah, I think you're so right there. It is the most common question that we get in the clinic. And I think when it comes to changing your body, there's no topic that's kind of more polarizing than that calories in versus that calories out. I mean, at one side, you have those kind of gym bros kind of shouting calorie deficit at you. Um, kind of argue that it is the be all and end all of weight loss but then on the other side you have those people that say oh no calories don't matter but I think the fundamental concept of weight loss appears to be quite simple Um, like you said when we take in less energy than you burn you'll lose weight but the saying kind of eat less move more only really takes into account kind of the calories that you eat 
and the calories that you burn through exercise and daily activities. But I think we know that it's much more complex than that. And there's so much more involved in that energy balance equation. I mean, energy balance includes all the inner complex workings of our body, as well as the external factors that ultimately impact that calorie in, calories out. So the way that I would view it is that, yes, you do need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight, but simply just focusing on calories in versus calories out, I think is a little bit oversimplistic and misguided. (laughs) Yes, um, I obviously couldn't agree more. And there's so much (laughs) nuance um, when we discuss the subject. And as you quite rightly said, everybody is unique. They've got different genes, different lifestyle factors. It is far too simplistic. And perhaps we should start by firstly understanding and explaining what body fat actually is. Yeah, exactly. Because I think people are often very quick to just try and shred it and get rid of it. But actually, we need body fat to survive. And I think it might be good just to start off by getting a better understanding around why we need it and what it involves as well, because we have basically two components of fat. We have our essential fat and we have our stored fat. And the essential fat, that's the fat that really forms part of our cell membranes, our brain tissue, our bone marrow. It surrounds our organs as well. It actually provides insulation protection. So it acts as a bit like a cushion when we might come across any physical damage. In a healthy person, this would probably, I'd say, account for around about 3% of body weight. I mean, that will vary massively. But women, for example, we need additional fats. I mean, this is tends to be held in places like our breasts and our hips. And that might account for kind of a further 5 to 9%. But this is very sex specific because it helps us produce things like our estrogen, which is incredibly important for kind of menstrual function as well. So that's kind of one part of it. And then we have are stored fat as well. And this is incredibly important as well, because that stored fat basically acts as like an energy reservoir. And this takes a form of kind of adipose cells, so fat cells that's either under our skin, or around our organs. But this type of fat is also very important, because we use energy, or we use fat as energy, I should say, all the time, whilst we're sleeping, whilst we're standing, whilst we're sitting, and actually during kind of aerobic exercise as well. So when the intensity is a little bit lower, So it's important that we have some fat. I think it's just finding the balance of not having too much and not having too little. Which is probably the hardest balance I think most people out there um, would find. And I'm sure a lot of people resonated with you when they said the different purposes for it. But what exactly would you say then is a healthy body fat percentage if we're looking at men and women? I think that's a very, very difficult question. I think there's no desirable body fat percentage to be aiming for. It is understood that having a minimal of 5% for men and 12% for women is required to have that healthy endocrine and immune function. I'm by no means saying that that's desirable um, because complications may kick in at kind of much higher percentages than that. But there's really no kind of one size that fits all, really. And like I said, having too much can be detrimental to health, but too little as well. So it's about finding that balance, really. Yeah, it's something that we're both asked a lot um, in the retrition clinic. And ultimately, there, there are, of course, health implications, aren't there, if the body mm. fat is, let's say, too too low or too high? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if it's too high, especially if we have excess body fat kind of around our midsection, so this is where all our vital organs are, so we call this our viscal fat, and that can increase your risk of developing conditions like type 2 diabetes or cardiovascular disease. 
But then at the other side of things, if we have too little body fat, this can also be detrimental to health as well. I mean, for some people, let's say athletes, for example, having a lower body fat percentage might be more desirable because it helps with things like having a higher power to weight ratio. And it would mean that you're not carrying around excess weight. But for people who are actively trying to achieve a a low body fat percentage, it's maybe unnatural for their genetic makeup. They will encounter some problems. And something that I think is being spoken about a lot more, and I'm really happy that it's getting spoken about a lot more, especially in women, is something that's called relative energy deficiency. And Mm. this is a real problem. And it can result in lots of hormonal imbalances and amenorrhea as well, which is kind of that loss of periods. So if we're going to discuss that and go go there, which we definitely should, Mm -hmm. I would hazard a guess that this is much more common than we realise. And a lot of the time, we see clients coming to us that obviously lose their period and they have no idea or no conception that it's the fact that they're under eating. And I think a lot of, I don't want to generalize this affects men too, but a lot of women, if we say probably more than the percentage of men that it affects, live their life constantly trying to restrict what they eat. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well as being very restrictive in their diet, maybe having heavy training, maybe additional stress in there as well, that can signal basically to your brain that impacts the hormones that are produced by your ovaries. And that causes them to produce less estrogen and progesterone as well. And that will lead to that amenorrhea. But it's interesting because this has actually been reported to be triggered at body fat percentages of around 15 to 20%. Mm. And if we think about it, bear in mind that in order to kind of get that your abs to be revealed, I think a lot of people are after that kind of washboard abs, that requires around a body fat percentage, I think it's about 17%. So by trying to get your abs to be revealed, it might be that the consequences that you lose your period. Well, yes. And that's such an important fact to make the fact that our body fat percentage has to be so low to get the results that the media stereotypes as being the ideal, or it definitely is in Western society. Of course, every culture has a different um, norm or or ideal that people strive towards. But it's important people realize that that for the majority of people out there, unless you're genetically inclined towards that, um, that body type, it's just not physically possible. And this is where we get in a bit of a pickle when we're trying to help people, our clients, or discussing this in mainstream media because there is no one-size-fits-all. And a lot of the time, like you said, we don't know what body fat percentage we're meant to be. Exactly, exactly. And I don't think it's something that people need to be focusing on, kind of having that goal in mind, aiming for a particular body fat percentage. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. But I think a lot of people then will be like, well... Why then, if I'm losing weight, let's say, am I not losing body fat? What? Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of clients in the clinic that maybe say, you know what, I'm eating really healthily, I'm working out, but that number on the scale isn't budging. What is going on? And I think it's important to make those people aware that they're not alone. This is a very common problem that um, people occur when they are maybe on a weight loss journey. But I don't want people to kind of focus too much on what they see or what that number says because people might focus too much on it and then maybe when it doesn't move, they give up or they feel terrible themselves and they feel like they're a failure. But the scales doesn't tell the full story, like you said. I mean, when we are on maybe a journey like this and we're changing our diet and we're increasing our physical activity levels, it might be that our body composition is changing. So it could be that you're increasing your muscle mass, but your body fat 
percentage is reducing. That number on the scales might not change. Mm. But also our weight fluctuates a lot over the course of the day. I'm not encouraging this, but I don't know if anyone's ever weighed themselves in the morning compared to the evening. It can vary a few kilograms. And that's not to say that you've put on fat over the day, but things like water retention due to our hormones or maybe having an excess of salt or even our toilet habits or the clothes that we're wearing, all these different things can cause that fluctuation. Oh, I think, I yeah. I think at the clinic we like to call it the sad step don't we <laughs> yes we, we really do it's people's expectations and this is where we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle because we don't want to ever give false expectations and a lot of the time people profit I see it a lot in social media um well, it's been around for years hasn't it really people yeah. making money out of other people's insecurities and promising unrealistic um mm end goals and it's it's never nice to say to someone well you know you're you're in the body of a um I'm trying to think of examples being careful about who I pick let's say you have a body of a Kim Kardashian yet you want to be an Elle McPherson Mm -hmm. that's not really going to happen realistically because they're complete different body types exactly exactly and I think like you said as well a lot of these companies are promising very fast rapid weight loss being like oh if you try this particular product or if you cut out all these foods you will lose 10 pounds in a week and it's just not sustainable and actually the NHS guidelines say that if you are wanting to lose weight it's much more important to lose it gradually I think they say about a pound or two a week or mm. half a kilogram a week is really like the maximum they want to be losing at one ter- at one time Because losing weight slowly, firstly, you're more likely to create more helpful habits on that time, but you're more likely to maintain your muscle mass. And if you are losing weight quickly, that might indicate that what you're doing is quite restrictive and probably not sustainable in the long run. It also confuses the body. So if we're looking at the way we're built as human beings, a lot of the time, a lot of people will notice it gets harder and harder to lose weight once you've tried a crash diet or you've tried something quite quickly. The next time around, you could repeat the same steps, but it doesn't have the same effect on your body. And that is because our bodies are so clever. They adapt so quickly. They're going to say, well, I know you've done this to me before. I'm literally going to cling on to everything I can. I don't want to lose it. It's almost adaption, isn't it? Exactly. Your body does not want to lose that weight. I mean, whenever you try to lose weight, there will be a biological pull to help you maintain that consistent body weight. It will do anything it can to hold on to it. So when you are trying to lose weight, you're basically fighting your biological cues. 100%. It doesn't mean it's not possible. I think what Faye and I are trying to say is that we do have success stories. You know, it does happen. It's just, it's real and it takes time and it takes yep. hard work. <laughs> Life happens. I mean, now I'm a mum. I don't, I have so much respect for anybody that embarks upon a journey to take care of themselves. But equally, there is a large movement as well that says that we shouldn't be focusing on weight loss and looking at body mm. image. And that's okay too, but we do have to be aware of our health, don't we? Exactly. And it's actually, I think, maybe become a bit um, frowned upon or maybe people are scared to open up about the fact that they want to lose weight. And mm. I don't think people need to be embarrassed by this. I think if you want to lose weight, that's fine. But maybe you've got to be thinking about the reasons why you want to do it and then thinking about the way in which you're going to approach it as well and making sure that you're not doing this as a result of kind of your min- mental or your physical health. Completely. Embrace your body shape that you are and just have realistic expectations. And like Faye said, it's doing it for the right reasons. I mean, 
I mean, we've now launched our ebook, which is very exciting. So obviously, A Simple Way to Feel Fitness, our new ebook, where we cover body fat and we cover exercise. And we're just so happy that we've managed to get something that's evidence-based and realistic out there. We don't make any false promises, but it does really help. It's just so informative, isn't it? That's why it's taking us so long. Perhaps you could share with everyone um, when it comes to working out what, what's best for focusing on losing body fat. Yes, this is a question that always gets asked as well. But I think it's firstly important to say that exercise alone isn't really an appropriate strategy for weight loss. I mean, of course, when you exercise, you will burn calories, which will help kind of tip you into the energy balance in the right direction. But for some reason, when people just purely focus on exercise, they often maybe don't get the results that they want to. And this might be because when people exercise, it can actually increase your appetite. And also, it can cause what we call your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So this is called NEAT, and that causes it to decrease. So what that's suggesting is that people that maybe just increase their activity levels or so I said the exercise, it might be that for the rest of the day, they're maybe more sedentary or they're sitting still. Um, so their overall energy expenditure is perhaps less. I mean, I'm definitely not saying that that's the case for everybody, but it's important to make note of that, that for some people that just purely focus on exercise and maybe don't assess the diet, then you may not get the results that you want. And In addition to this, people often kind of overestimate kind of how many calories are actually used up when we are exercising. So, for example, if we were to go for, I don't know, a 30 minute run, it might be that you will use up approximately, I don't know, 200, 300 calories. Um, That's actually quite an easy number to take back through our diet. It might be that you just have a little extra food at dinner or maybe a chocolate bar. So, I think people maybe overcomplicate things slightly by just thinking about, okay, what type of exercise will help me lose body fat when actually just maybe increasing your your NEAT or just simply moving more is often overlooked as a a weight loss strategy. And actually that is what's contributing the largest thing towards our kind of overall energy expenditure. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's difficult to say this particular thing will cause weight loss because actually probably what's most important is finding something that you enjoy and that you can do on a regular basis. Oh, completely, because there was a time. And I know when writing the ebook, it's something that we've basically laid out extremely clearly. You spent a lot of time, Faye, researching that when it comes to HIT, you know, high intensity interval mm. training or weight strength training, training fast, all of these different things. Basically, we we divulge everything in the ebook. So definitely make sure you, you check it out if you want to go into more depth on that to anyone listening. But it really does come down to what works for you. And it could be possible people are overtraining. Yes, yes. And I think that is now being talked about more as well. Um, people often assume that kind of more is better. And yes, generally, maybe the harder you train, the more adaptions and improvements might occur. But if you don't have that adequate amount of rest or recovery, these training regimes can really backfire and actually decrease your performance and impact your overall health as well. Yeah, um, I always use this analogy of clients that remember back in the olden days. Now, I know (laughs) that we're very different. You can't compare everything, but there were no gyms, you know, and people, people weren't told they had to, I don't know, yeah do a certain amount every week they were just more active in general like you said their neat was higher they were walking more they were I don't know doing the laundry scrubbing with their hands they didn't have a washing machine or a dishwasher um it was a bit more full on wasn't it (laughs) 
Exactly. So if we can just encourage people just to move their body a little bit more, however they want, I think that is the best approach. A hundred percent. Now, we've obviously made it sound very simple there by saying that, but of course we appreciate more than ever that demands are different today. We also have equality, gender equality in this country. Well, as far as I'm aware, in most realms that is there, which is good. And that's why things are different as well. There's lots of different factors to consider here. There's so many environmental things. But the food that we eat, now that plays, I would almost go as far as saying a bigger part sometimes than the exercise, dare I say, especially if you're wanting to lose body fat. What are your thoughts on that, Faye? You know what, I think I agree with that statement. Um, Yes, nutrition plays an incredibly big role in this. Um, People are often very kind of quick to try and find the perfect diet to help them lose weight. And I think often they forget about the fundamentals I think if we put this into a slightly different context and we think about, I don't know, trying to get your dream job, you can't just jump in straight at the top. It's a process that requires making lots of small steps. And often all this information that we see on social media is very confusing. I mean, what time should we be eating? How much we should be eating? Should we be training fasted, intermittent fasting? It just adds confusion. And actually, I think let's just take it back a step and just focus on the basics and think about how we can build that balanced plate, but also be mindful of portion sizes and definitely not restricting yourself. Okay, so let's bust the biggest myth that I think a lot of people hear when it comes to eating and training and body fat reduction. You need to up your protein, reduce the carbs. The poor carbohydrates, they get such a bad time, don't they? Um, (laughs) I mean, carbohydrates, as we're very aware, um, are something that are often told to cut out. You see the low carb, the ketogenic diet, I mean, they are seriously popular still. I can't believe that. Um, But we've got to remember that carbohydrates are so essential. I mean, they really form our balanced diet. They help us fuel fitness. And they provide not only a key fuel for our body, but also for our brain and our nervous system as well. So people are often very quick to blame the carbohydrates for weight loss, but I mean, to weight gain even. But there's no one specific food or nutrient that makes you put on weight. It's if you eat in excess of anything, if you have an energy surplus, and that can come from carbohydrates, it can come from fats, protein, it can come from alcohol. So we can't just blame the carbohydrates. But I think where this kind of stems from is that when people do cut out carbohydrates, they do often lose weight quite quickly. And that is because when you lose kind of when you lose weight, when you reduce your carbohydrates, for every gram of carbohydrate that's stored in your body, you have about two to three grams of water as well. So you lose a lot of water weight when you kind of first go on one of those diets. So people think, wow, this thing's amazing, um, but often is not sustainable as well. Yeah, cutting carbohydrates, there's lots of complications that can occur from it. Yeah, no, completely. Because I think people here, yeah, reducing the carbs, but upping the protein, they yeah. think protein is the miracle macronutrient for some reason it's almost if everyone just ate protein every day they'd be perfectly healthy I think protein yes is important um, but we can't forget about the rest of our balance and our plate as well protein is a nutrient that will make us feel fuller for longer it's essential for kind of muscle growth and repair as well so if we are losing weight um, and we want to retain that muscle mass it's very important we do have the protein but I wouldn't say it's kind of more superior than anything else it's important we get everything within our diet build that balance plate ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, yeah. No, completely. So I thought I would ask a question to you now. Okay. What would you suggest if people were going on about macro splits? What would the stereotypical macro split look like for somebody? That is very difficult. I think it depends, mm. firstly, on who the client is and whether we would use this with them. Um, I think for people that are maybe very active, it might be something that we're more inclined to use. Um, they're, rather than kind of looking at it as kind of percentages now, this is something that as sports nutritionists, we're trying to move away. And maybe we're more looking at kind of grams per kilogram of body weight. So there is things that we can potentially aim for. So, for example, when it comes to protein, um, the RDA for kind of the average adult is only actually 0.7 grams per kilogram of body weight. So it's really not a lot. And that can be very easily achieved um, through having things like a bit of chicken or a few eggs a day, maybe some beans and pulses. But for active individuals, it is important to have more protein than that because we are putting our muscles under much more tension and we need them to, to grow and repair as well. So for active individuals, it might be that we have more so like 1.2 to 2 grams per kilograms of body weight. But I think focusing purely on numbers can be sometimes quite complicated and quite can be quite hard to think of that practically. So probably what I would suggest is we can just think of it as distributing it evenly over the course of the day. So rather than just having loads of protein for your evening meal, it might be more beneficial to say, OK, I'm going to have a little bit each meal um, maybe as a snack in between as well. Our body does utilize it much more efficiently if we spread it more evenly over the course of the day kind of around 15 to 30 grams but rather than think of it in grams we could maybe just think of it as kind of a medium-sized chicken breast or two eggs or maybe three or four tablespoons of beans and pulses and things like that so I think rather than thinking of it as kind of percentages of your overall diet or kind of macro splits the guidance when it comes to sports nutrition is now looking towards kind of grams per kilogram per body weight um but for the majority of the people, you know what, I don't think it's needed to be focusing purely on kind of the macro split. People are often very interested in finding a diet that is a suitable for weight loss. But what they often forget about is that nutrition for health. And that's something that involves just 
a lot more than kind of your proteins, your carbs and your fats. I mean, at the end of the day, we eat food, we don't eat nutrients. I mean, all foods have a combination of these different macronutrients as well as micronutrients. And that's what those macro things often forget is that we also need the micronutrients. We need the fiber as well as those macronutrients. Oh, exactly. It's they're the wonderful things. And I think I called them in my first book, Renourish, magical micronutrients, or or maybe I wanted to, and the publishers thought that was a bit lame. So <laughs> maybe they took that title out. I can't remember what I called the paragraph, but they are the bits that are forgotten about in nutrition. And I think we end up um under fueling ourselves and something that can really hinder any body fat loss in the first place is when we don't give our bodies what they need and then there's also things like obviously alcohol sugar the amount of processed foods which could also be included in calories which is why it's also the quality of the diet isn't it not just the quantity Exactly. I think, like you said, it's important to focus on the nutrients, uh, the balance plate. And for anybody that maybe is wanting some more information on building a balance plate, the Eat Well guide that's being created by the NHS and the government is a great place to start, start on just making sure that you're getting all those food groups in there in the right types of proportions as well. So that's a really good guide if you are looking just to start off with the basics. But like you said, people often forget that things like alcohol can also impact it, sugar, processed foods as well. So these all definitely important things to be thinking about if you are trying to lose weight. Yes, exactly, 100%. Um, if we're going to suggest looking at things like calories, like if, if we were going to, I know we've said not to put, as much of an importance on them yeah how closely should people be tracking them and what do you think about tracking apps do you think they're helpful or, or perhaps hindering people yeah I think at the end of the day we can't completely ignore them they do exist and if we want to lose weight we need to be aware of them and we need to kind of create that calorie deficit but as we've explored it's much more complex than just simply focusing on calories in versus calories out there's so many different biological psychological environmental our social can also influence uh, influence either end of that equation as well there will be some clients that I would consider using these for um, just so they can become more aware of their food choices and their portion sizes but on the other hand I would have some clients who I wouldn't dream of doing this with if anybody's got a poor relationship with food it's just not appropriate and it might be that in that case we maybe think of other ways in which we can create that calorie deficit without focusing on the calories so it might be that we think about using hand portions or maybe other times we use more intuitive approaches. Yes, yes, exactly. Because it can become so consuming for so many people. It, it can be motivating, but I, I yeah. worry that people do forget about those magical micronutrients and yeah. just the things like the fiber in the diet as well that people don't seem to focus on. Because without enough fiber in our diet, our bowel movements perhaps may be equally affected. And we haven't even discussed really the impact that gut health could have. Yeah. Of course, there's a big link, isn't there, Faye, between, between our gut health, between stress, genetics, yep. hormones, all of it. Exactly. I think, like you said, if we're purely focusing on macros or purely focusing on um, calories, things like fibre is forgotten. And yep. actually, when we have a fibrous diet, that is going to feed into our gut. And actually, there's been a lot of 
research coming around now that obesity actually appears to be characterized by specific alterations in the composition of our gut microbiota. I mean, I'm, I'm by no means an expert in this field, but our gut microbiota, basically all those trillions of species of bacteria that residue in our gut, can influence both ends of that energy balance equation. It can influence how we utilize energy from our diet, and it can influence a host of genes that regulate energy expenditure as well. So if we don't have fiber, we're not going to have those prebiotics to actually feed that gut bacteria. Exactly. And surprise, surprise, a lot of fiber doesn't just come from veggies, it comes from carbohydrates. I know. Most people going on these crazy diets or, I don't know, ketogenic diets, it's one of the things that I have to explain is that if you do go on any diet like that, it will work if it's severe enough, but it doesn't make it healthy for your body. And that's the difference. If you do want it long term and you want health as well, we just have to take all of this into account because how can you maintain a new percentage specifically once you've even lost the body fat? I mean, that's probably the hardest part, isn't it? I think the actual weight loss, that first step is something that maybe comes quite easy. Um, but actually maintaining these changes, I think that is probably the most difficult part, especially like you said, if you go on one of these very restrictive diets, let's say, oh, I heard, I heard someone say about the cabbage soup diet the other day, which I can't no. believe that's a thing. Um, but when you say do one of these very restrictive diets, you lose weight, then you hit your goal weight, and then what? You haven't learned anything about how to actually eat healthily or eat normally to actually maintain those changes. So for people, I would really encourage them to actually adapt and find nutritional strategies that suit you and something that actually fits into your lifestyle so you can actually create sustainable habits as well. Mm. And people often assume that it's, it's willpower. It comes down to willpower to be able to stick to a diet. Um, but as we said before, when you lose weight, there's a biological pull to really try and maintain our consistent body weight. We call it kind of like a set point, a body weight in which our body likes to be. And if you try and move too far away from that set point, your body will pull back. And I think probably what annoys me the most is that when people say things like being overweight or being obese, obese is a choice, as we've discussed, there's so many different things that can influence it, our biology, our psychology, our environment, social influences, and it's not down to willpower. I think that's probably the most annoying thing that I hear, that mm. when it comes to weight loss, it's not about willpower. It's about finding something that you can adhere to, something that's consistent. We can't rely on willpower for that. It's about mm. learning new skills and strategies and tackling any barriers or obstacles that we might face and creating new habits. Yeah, and it puts an emphasis on the individual as they're failing. You know, it's mm. your willpower, you're not strong enough by, your, you know, your mental resilience isn't strong enough to do it, but it's not. And as you've said, psychological factors and I've always said and I think I spoke about it in my TEDx talk as well it's psychology and nutrition that work hand in hand they work together so for anybody listening if you're lucky enough to get one-to-one support that's great but of course we recognize that is not possible for the majority of people financially or fitting it into their lifestyles to have the time so talk to a friend just have somebody in your support bubble or someone that you can chat to if that's going to help you as well because often having anybody in life that supports a goal that you're trying to achieve is really beneficial because as we've just said maintaining it it has to work for you and sometimes when you're on your own it's just it's just tough now Faye we've got lots of questions from people here okay 
So I'm going to fire off on some of those because I could just talk forever on the subject, but I need to get these questions in today. <laughs> um, Sam has said, if you're trying to lose body fat, do I need to work out every day? I would say no. I think like we said before, it really comes down to overall bodily movement. But I think as we've established, when it comes to losing weight, maybe focusing on the nutrition as well as the exercise, but then also things like stress and sleep. I know we haven't actually spoken about that in much detail yet, but Mm. these can also influence it as well. But I would say you don't have to be working out every day. And actually overtraining can often um, impede your, your goals as well. Yeah, and to touch on sleep, because it's such a crucial factor, believe me, I know, if you don't sleep, your hunger um, hormone ghrelin can often be stimulated. And basically, that means you get hungrier and hungrier, because you just need more energy to counterbalance the amount of energy that you've kind of missed, because your body just, you're just knackered. You just want everything in sight. Wouldn't you you agree, Faye? 100%, 100%. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, it's one of those things. And Jasmine has asked, how do I work out my body fat percentage? Oh, okay. So this is a difficult one, because it really depends on what is available and accessible to you. I think probably the easiest thing to be doing is things like working out BMI and waist circumference. But I completely understand that there is a lot of flaws to those sorts of measures. If we want to maybe start to look at things like body composition, um, maybe the probably the one that's most accessible and you find in things like most gyms are things like your bioelectrical impedance analysis um so i don't know if anyone's ever seen one of those in the gym you kind of stand on it and you have the rods in your hand and that basically sends an electric current through your body um but again these actually have poor degree of accuracy as well because it will change depending on things like your fluid levels and your skin temperature We then have things like skin folds. Um, So that's when you have kind of about seven different points in your body um, where you basically have calipers where they kind of pinch the skin and measure your kind of body fat. But again, this depends on the accuracy of the person actually taking the measurement. So it comes down to human error. I would say probably the one that's most accurate is something called a DEXTA scan. Um, And that was actually initially used for people who are getting diagnosed with osteoporosis Mm, so bone density but this is something that is not accessible to most people there's a very high cost to doing it and is actually only really found in hospitals and research centers so there's different ways in which we can do it um the things that tend to cost more probably a little bit more accurate um but yeah I think even if you are maybe taking one of the other ones we mentioned do take it with a pinch of salt because they're never going to be 100% accurate it's always the way, isn't it? It's yeah. always the way. The things that cost more that are less accessible to everybody are the most accurate things often. Um, yeah. And don't, pin, you know, Jasmine, don't pin the number of, as we said before, it's not everything. Um, a rough guesstimation is okay, but be aware that it's obviously rough. Yeah. Uh, Christine has said, I find it hard to eat breakfast in the morning and I worry this is doing me more harm than good. What's the best breakfast to try and eat to lose body fat? <laughs> Okay. So firstly, I think there's been a big emphasis on breakfast. I think people often assume that kind of breakfast is the most important meal of the day when I think, yes, um, it is important to have kind of regular feedings, regular um, eating habits. 
But if you're really not hungry when you wake up in the morning, don't force yourself to eat. It might be that you just have to wait a little bit. And then when you have that breakfast, have something that is very balanced. It's got maybe a little bit of carbohydrates in there. It's got some protein, some healthy fats, either some fruits or some vegetables. There's no one specific food that's going to help with weight loss. It's about that overall energy intake over the course of the day. Exactly, exactly. It's all about balance. Everything's all about balance. Um, Angus has said, does ketosis actually work? work for weight loss I would presume so it just says does ketosis work um I mean Angus I, I would like we said earlier it does work but it won't work forever I think and it's not mm. healthy would be a response I would have I would have to that what do you think Faye? yeah if I'm right when you go on um well if you're strictly doing a keto diet you have to be having about 20 to 50 grams of carbohydrates per day that is that is very low um, if you have a banana and maybe a slice of bread, you've already gone over it sort of thing. So mm. as we said, it's something that maybe isn't sustainable. It might be that if you do cut your carbohydrates that low, you're going to be lacking things like fiber and different vitamins and minerals as well. So yeah, I mean, in the short term, it could be a strategy for weight loss, but I'd ask yourself whether it's something that you could s- sustain for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah, it, it definitely, yeah, it, it does work if followed really, really accurately, but not something we'd ever dream of promoting on a mass no. scale, because it is risky. And as we quite rightly said, it does affect fiber, but also water. If you think about the fact that every molecule of carbohydrate requires a lot of water to help process mm. it, your body could just be losing water weight initially in, in the yeah. initial stages. So be very wary there. Um, okay, so we're now going to move on to the fact or fiction round, Faye. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Here we go. Right. So if you could answer fact or fiction to the following questions. The fat burning zone does exist. Oh, fiction <laughs> um skipping breakfast helps lose body fat oh fiction if you don't use your muscles enough it'll slow down your metabolism hmm. you could lose body uh, um, muscle mass so yeah fact fat burning supplements are helpful or oh, definitely fiction yeah we should have touched on that do you want to delve into a little bit why we don't recommend fat burners (laughs) I think they are incredibly dangerous both physically and and mentally as well um a lot of these supplements so they're called thermogenetics and they work in kind of different ways by kind of increasing your metabolic rate or energy expenditure but they actually can be incredibly dangerous depending on what ingredients they are and some of them have actually been banned um, because it could increase things like your your blood pressure could cause um, a higher risk of heart attacks and in some cases uh, this is awful but there's been cases of people dying from taking these sorts of supplements so they're incredibly Mm. dangerous. So the next question we have got, you can target specific areas of your body for fat loss. Fiction. No, you can't do that. Your body will just do what it wants. It really comes down to genetics. You can't pick and choose, I'm afraid. Precisely. Um, You can be both fit and overweight. Yes, fact. Mm -hmm. Fat loss can remove cellulite. No, fiction. Everyone should be taking at least one type of supplement. <laughs> no, you don't need supplements. Um, fiction. Muscle will turn into fat unless you eat healthy and exercise regularly. 
No, I'm uh, no fiction. Plant-based eaters have less body fat than meat eaters. No, not necessarily fiction. John, that was the end of the fact and fiction round. That does nearly wrap up this episode today. Um, but as with every guest, we finish with a food for thought. And I'd like to touch firstly on what we were going to delve into before, that muscle will turn into fat. I think there are so many misconceptions in the world of body fat loss that it can be completely overwhelming. We've been brainwashed for, for years and years with, like Faye said earlier, the cabbage diet or the baby food diet the keto diet every type of diet that the word diet has even lost its meaning and on some days there may be an abundance of green veg for lunch and that that's great but on other days there may not be try and add more variety in and ultimately take into account that your daily energy requirements change and in doing so then you'll start listening to your body and start trusting it more because it does have a remarkable way of balancing itself out. So a really simple portion go-to as a general rule that I normally give to everybody is from the Renourish book. And it's just try and follow this portion guide that one palm of protein. So using your hands to everybody listening, if you outstretch your hand, use the palm as a rough guide for how much protein should be on your plate. Um, one handful of carbs. So maybe that's like a large handful of rice, oats, starchy veg, um, fruit, for instance, uh, two handfuls of non-starchy veg. So that's things like your broccoli, spinach, peppers, and then then a thumb-sized portion of healthy fats, like a drizzle of olive oil, some butter, and that's a very good go-to. There's actually a visual guide on the book and on the Retrition website if you want to hear more. And of course, this is probably one of the longest food for thoughts I've done, Faye, but I just feel like we've got so much between us that we're going to share today. The sports ebook that we have both worked on so hard, but we've made it so comprehensive that that will probably be a very good go-to tool for you all. So if you do head over to the website, the shop, do do check that out. Um, so I think that would help. Uh, Faye, yes. what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Okay, so... I think with all the fad diets out there that are promising very quick weight loss, there's always such an emphasis on the things that you have to cut out or the things you have to detox or restrict yourself of. But can we just maybe try and reframe this? And rather than focus on the things that you can't have or you have to cut out, can we simply focus on the things that we can add to our diet, the things that we can do? I think that's a much more positive and realistic way of looking at health and approaching your body fat goals. Oh, so concise amazing <laughs> hey I'm so pleased we finally managed to get I you know. on the podcast um thank you so much for coming thank on you it's talk. been a pleasure thanks Rui and before you go where can everybody find out more from you so I'm mainly on Instagram Bay nutrition so Faye.nutrition. yeah don't forget the dot everyone Bay, <laughs> thank you so so much thank you if you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do, if you have the time, leave a five-star review. It does help this podcast get out there. We want to be able to reach more people, help more people, and maybe even perhaps reach higher highs in the charts. For more information about my Retrition Clinic books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com. And you can always follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Have 
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 